and welcome to Pen to Print, Insider Tips with Creative Media Agency, the podcast where we unravel a few of the mysteries of publishing. Whether you're a new author looking to break into the industry or a seasoned professional seeking deeper insight into the community, we're here to bring you advice, information, and just enough insight to help. And welcome back to another episode of Pen to Print. I'm Megan, and joining me today are Paige, Shannon, and Haley. How are you all doing? Great, thank you. Great, Megan. Yeah, hi, Megan. <laughs> Good. So today we're going to dive into rejections. So rejections are a big part of being a writer and being in this industry. Everyone receives them. And so the question that you might be facing is, what do you do next? So we're going to touch on some advice for improving your writing, some resources for authors, and then some other opportunities that may be worth it and opportunities that may not be worth it. So Paige, do you want to discuss a little bit about the process of receiving a rejection in the industry? So when we're talking about rejection, let's start with the querying process, because that's where a lot of aspiring writers start their search and first get that letter of rejection. So we as agents get a lot of submissions. I think, Megan, you told me uh, last year we received about 12,000 submissions here. And clearly, we can't take on every single author who is trying to land representation. So there comes a time when we actually have to pass on the material. And that pass can look in a can look like a form rejection or maybe put a little bit of comments in that rejection if we have time or if we've developed a relationship with that author. And I believe we've covered that in a previous podcast. But when you start to get a number of rejections in the querying process, uh, there are some things you can do. And three things in particular, I think we should look at. First, is the rejection really rejecting the query letter? Is that the basis of the rejection? Is it the details of the book that's described in the query letter? Or is the rejection the sample pages? So authors should look and wonder if it's one of those three that is actually getting the rejection. If it's the way the query letter is written, that's probably the easiest fix, right? There are certain things that should be indicated in the query that maybe isn't being communicated and is the reason why an author is getting pushback from agents. Uh, Things like, did they include the title? Did the the author include uh, the actual genre? Did they include the word count? Did they even write a professional query or was it just a sentence or two? Did they send it to a mass uh, amount of people in one mass email as opposed to specifically targeting an agent? Did they send it to an agent who doesn't represent that type of material? So there are a lot of things that can go wrong in the query letter. Um, We've already discussed what should be in a query letter. So hopefully authors are paying attention and putting relevant information in their query letter. If it's the details of the book, that's a lot more problematic to uh, to tackle because it could be that the author has has stated that they've written a thriller that's 40,000 words. And that might stop many agents right there. If it's a thriller, 
the word count is wrong, right? So 40,000 words does not a thriller make. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that might be the reason. Maybe the word count is too high. Maybe they're writing in a very small genre that is very that an agent doesn't have a lot of writers in that area, and maybe they're not interested in representing. There are a number of reasons why, regarding the details of the book, why it's being rejected. Or it could be the sample pages. Maybe the writing just doesn't grab the agent. Maybe the writing isn't strong enough. Maybe it's written more like a script than a manuscript. Um, So it's those sample pages. So if an author is getting more individualized feedback from agents, then maybe they can take a look. But usually that's not the case. Because agents are dealing with such a high volume of submissions, either writers are receiving a form rejection response or sometimes no response whatsoever. So I would say an author should look at the three main elements of the query, the actual query letter, the details in the book, and the sample pages, and try and figure out which part it is. I think that's really helpful advice. So if they go onto like the agent's website and see that they're meeting all the criteria and they're following the correct formatting, they should probably take a second look at the actual writing sample itself. Correct. I agree with that. Um, I think that you need to look at whether or not you have reached a point where you've truly honed your craft. Um, I think that there, you know, there are many ways that, that um, writers can make sure that they've honed their craft. They can go to, you know, I think we even discussed some of these on the last call, but you know, they can go to writers conferences, they can go to workshops, they can have critique groups. Um, When you do those things and you have those avenues to help you strengthen your writing that, you know, just kind of helps eliminate the possibility or yet another reason why you might be giving an agent a reason to reject you or reject your work. So having honed your craft, I think, is a very important thing when you receive those rejections. Um, if Look for common denominators if you did receive any kind of personalized feedback. So that way you can kind of look at it and see, oh, well, you know, multiple agents who took time to give me a personalized rejection are saying my pages, my sample pages included... Uh, this and this and this type of thing that kind of was, you know, didn't work for them and be able to learn from that and maybe tweak their work a little and make it even better for the next time that they submit. I think though that most agents um, give very little feedback on the actual query and it's really once uh, material has been requested and submitted is when an agent is more likely to potentially give some feedback on that. So I guess that goes to another part of the question, which is once an author has been invited to submit more material, either a couple chapters or the complete manuscript, that's where an agent is really reviewing the writing and making decisions based on that, not just the query letter. And I think that is where an author can most likely get some feedback. Again, to honing the craft, um, we've talked about that before. I think that making sure that you're at that point where your writing is strong uh, helps you from the moment that you begin the querying process to the point where the agent actually requests material from you. 
um, the stronger your writing is, the better, because then that agent will take, you know, a really good look at that and, and they'll be torn, you know, whether or not to say yes or no. And that's a good thing, you know, and if you can get them to say yes, because your writing was so great and so polished and you were ready when you started to submit your queries and you were ready when you submitted that material because you'd owned your craft. Shannon, would you mind giving a few um, helpful tips or examples of ways authors could work on honing their craft? I know sometimes when they're like deep in the pages of their manuscript, it's hard to tell how good your writing is or what does need improvements. Go to conferences, you know, or at least just go to workshops or read books or do anything that's going to help them study on how to better craft their work and having critique partners or people, you know, second readers, that sort of thing that are willing to look at it and read it and provide them with some feedback. I think that that's going to help people better their work. Um, they'll start hearing some of those, uh, terms that, that they would hear from an agent such as, um, show not tell and uh, it, don't put a lot of info dumps in your first three chapters, that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, actually, if I could expand on some of those ideas for just a second, um, I think everything Shannon said is exactly right. Like, obviously you need to read, you need to find other people to maybe read your work and give some feedback, go to writer's workshops, all those kind of things. So we want to talk, I want to talk a little bit more about maybe why those are so helpful. And obviously jump in at any point with other thoughts. But like, I think we've touched on before the idea of if you're a writer, you're going to have to read, right? And you're particularly going to have to read in the genre you're trying to write in. And it's not just because, you know, it's helpful to know what's out there and what you're up against and all those sort of things, but because you can use those books to really get a sense of, why they've become popular, why they work, why they fit within the constraints of that genre or that age group, all those sorts of things. So I think it's really important to, like we may have said, pull some of those books off your shelf. If you're writing contemporary middle grade, go grab your three or five favorite contemporary middle grade books and read the first few chapters and see, is your book starting in a similar way? Are your characters reading that correct age, like what's drawing you in. So I think reading is always really important when you're down to that manuscript editing stage. And then once you get past that, once you've looked at your manuscript for so long that you can't really conceive what else you could revise alone, that's when it's a really great place to bring in critique partners and beta, beta readers and just get extra eyes who can read what you've done, who are readers and writers themselves, who can say, this chapter was incredible. I was engaged the entire time. I wanted to know what was going to happen next. These next couple chapters felt a little less urgent, maybe lost their way. I wasn't sure about this plot line. All those sorts of more specific things where you can say, yeah, I really liked that scene, but you're right. It didn't move the plot forward or it didn't inform the characters or do that heavy lifting. So that extra set of eyes is just a really great way to say, here's what's working. Here's what isn't from a reader's point of view and not just the writer's point of view. And Haley, mm -hmm. I've often heard people say, 
if you're going to get a critique partner, get someone who is slightly further along than you are, that they know more than you do, because then that's somebody that you can learn from. If you can find someone further along than you, I think that is great advice because this is an industry where you are always seeking to learn the next thing. Um, I do think some eyes, I would say, are better than none. And you don't have to take the advice of every single person who reads. If somebody says, I hated this chapter, cut it. You don't necessarily have to do that. But it helps to know what's keeping people interested and what isn't. So I would say if you can find someone who's further along than you, perfect. If you can't, I still think it's worthwhile to find another writer, you know, aspiring to be published, another reader who's really interested in the type of work or that maybe, you're writing. Or maybe even more than one. Uh, yeah. Sometimes that's helpful if you can have two or three, because the more people who are looking at it, if you begin to receive the same feedback about the same chapter, then you know there may be something to that. You know, if only, if only one person says it, but two other people loved it, then you can make a decision based on what you feel. But yeah. I, I do believe that having two or three trusted people no, reading think, for you helps. I think that's exactly it. And I think that's kind of where writers' workshops can come in. And I know a lot of times those are paid opportunities. So you really have to decide if that's the right fit for you. But that is a chance to maybe get with a group and a mentor and a, get a few different eyes and have the opportunity to actually discuss what different people thought at the same time. Um, I know that when I was in college, um, right after my senior year, I was a creative writing major. So I participated in a workshop with a local young adult fantasy writer. And just, it was a very small group. I think there were maybe four of us plus the author themselves. And it was, it was just such a nice experience because you really got to sit down and ask questions and get a sense for what other people were doing, what all of them thought at your work in real time. And that was really valuable for me. There are also uh, conferences around the country to meet with agents and editors. Paige, do you want to discuss a little bit about how that works? Yes, I just came back from a writer's conference last week. And writer's conferences are great ways first to get some information about honing your craft because they have a lot of workshops and panels that discuss this. Uh, but there's usually an opportunity as well to pitch your work to an agent or editor. Many writers' conferences have the opportunity to talk one-on-one -on -one with a publishing professional. And many times uh, an agent or editor will give some feedback. Now, often because this is verbal pitching, the agent or editor will go ahead and request material. But sometimes they will stop the author in the middle of the pitch and discuss why it may not be for them. And that rejection, um, although it can be difficult to take on a personal level because you're right there in front of it, can be very informative. Um, and it could be for a multitude of reasons. First, the again, the agent may not handle that material, um, but maybe the if it's nonfiction, maybe the author isn't yet... Uh, an expert in the field at the level that they need. Maybe the field is uh, just very overcrowded at the moment and it's very hard to sell. Um, we've discussed this before, but one of the questions I ask during those pitch sessions is how long is this project and 
even at this most recent conference I went to, I found that writers aren't always aware of the parameters of you know, the general word count of what is expected of a, of a novel or even a nonfiction project. Um, so there are many reasons why uh, the rejection on a one-on-one can be very informative, and that actually allows the author uh, for feedback or to ask questions just on that verbal pitch. Now, I do find that uh, actually reading the material uh, in addition to that verbal pitch is, is more helpful because then you do get a sense of the writer's style, which is, of course, the most important thing. But just on that one-on-one pitch session, it can be very helpful. And again, you can network with other writers at these writers' conferences, which is just so terrific. Um, I know there are times when authors have sat at a banquet table during the course of the conference, have made friends and have formed writing groups, or some writing groups get together and meet maybe once a year at the annual meeting of the conference and they're able to catch up, etc. So um, attending writers' conferences can be very helpful in networking, in uh, potentially forming critique groups, in understanding about the craft, and then maybe even pitching a publishing professional like a, uh, an editor or an agent and getting some feedback, um, even on the rejection. Now, hopefully, an author will attend these conferences, uh, able to improve their craft and maybe even get a lead on submitting to an agent or an editor, um, usually the agent. But that's, uh, I think they're very, very helpful and um, can be informative in terms of targeting their craft and focusing on career next steps. And uh, Paige, in some of these writers organizations that have the conferences and hold conferences every year with, you know, pitch sessions and with different workshops, et cetera, um, a lot of them also have um, local chapters where they put on contests or even the overall organization may have a contest um, sometimes I think it's really helpful for an author to enter those contests because most of them come with feedback. Absolutely. Feedback from peers. And that can be extremely helpful. That's an excellent point, Shannon. Um, in fact, at the conference I just attended, there was, in fact, uh, a contest and under many different genre categories. And I think the authors that went through the process uh, first off, they're excited to land as a finalist, uh, and then one, of course, is chosen as a winner. But during the process, there is feedback given. And on the flip side of that, as an agent, I often judge these contests. And if I find someone I like, it's a great opportunity for me to pursue an author. Mm-hmm. So I, I do like the contests. Um it always varies, of course, the level of writing, depending on the year, depending on you know, the contest, et cetera. But um, there, it's a great way for an author to uh, get some feedback and have other people review their work. Are there any other resources that an author could explore while trying to improve their queries or their manuscripts? I have some books to suggest, but uh, I don't know if we want to jump on that yet because there are a lot of writing resources as we've discussed previously on the internet through conferences, et cetera, but there's some terrific writing books. Do you want me to jump in that into that now? Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah, one of my favorite that I recommend um, is Stephen King's On Writing. I just think that was an amazing book that really provides a lot of good advice for writers just starting out. Um, and I'm giving these in no particular order, by the way. Donald Mass wrote Writing the Breakout Novel, also a great book. There is Reading Like a Writer by Francine Prose, Saul Stein's On Writing. That's a great one. How Fiction Works by James Wood. Elizabeth George wrote the book Right Away. Um, there's also Conflict, Action, and Suspense by William Noble. Uh, the Complete Handbook of Novel Writing is another good one um, that's out there. How to Grow a Novel is another book by Saul Stein that I think is very good. And Thinking Fast and Slow by Danielle Kahneman. And A Novelist's Essential Guide to Creating Scenes is another another good book that uh, writers might want to check out. So that's a lot. Um, and these are mostly focused on uh, fiction, of course. Can I add just a couple sure. that, I've, that I've read and I, I absolutely loved? Um, one was The Writer's Journey by Christopher Vogler. That I think was in just incredibly helpful breaking down various pieces of, of novel structure and um, explaining uh, archetypes. And um, it's, it's very much toward gear, geared toward uh, creating your characters and then, and then bringing them to life in the story. I loved that book. And then if you're just looking for some good old fashioned, I need a shot in the arm of motivation and I need to be reminded of why I love writing so much. Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott was a fantastic story. Just fantastic book to me. I can't believe I didn't mention that one. So I'm glad you did. Oh, good. Good. And I know one, my a couple of my authors really like is Save the Cat Writes a Novel by Jessica Brody. I have a copy. I've only read a little bit of it, but it seems like a really good just sort of structured look at how to break down a novel. I've heard of that one, but I have not read it yet. So I'm, I'm going to add that one to my list. Those are all wonderful resources. So after an author has submitted their query, maybe they receive a few requests for partials or full manuscripts. I know that wait time to hear feedback can be quite a while. So should authors be doing anything during that period of time? Oh, I'd love to answer this one. I think they should immediately be writing their next book um, for more than one reason. After when, when, If you are lucky enough to be signed with someone and you go on submission, the very next thing that we're probably going to be looking at is what are we going to do for your follow-up book? If this one sells or if this one doesn't sell, you know, what are we going to go out with next? So having something else prepared, I think is important or to be working toward that next thing is important, but then also taking into account the fact that the more you write and the more you exercise your writing muscle, the better you are at writing, the more, the more able uh, you are to articulate yourself on the page, write a good story, craft a good story. You really come into your own with your own writing voice. And I just think that the, keeping that writing going is crucial. So one thing we haven't talked about are the 
alternate ways of getting an agent's attention where you may be invited to submit material or you may not hear back. Uh, and these are things like pitch wars, Twitter pitches, things like that. Haley and Shannon, do you want to jump in on that? Sure. So I actually think Pitch Wars this last year was the final year that they were doing it. So I know that was a big pitch event on Twitter that isn't necessarily going to be continuing. However, there are tons of pitch events like we talked about last episode that I do think are worth checking out. Agents and editors really do pay attention to those. And even if you walk away and you haven't gotten requested materials from those events, you are engaging in the writing community. You are seeing what is working for some other authors. And it's just a good place to practice writing the hook of your manuscript in a way that does grab attention. I agree, Haley. And honestly, sometimes these events work out for you because I signed one of my clients having found her from one of these pitch events on Twitter. So, I mean, sometimes the stars align and and you get more than just a, um, a request for a quick read. Sometimes it can eventually turn into an offer of representation. So um, I definitely think that those are worthwhile. Um, and there are so many of them. You, you should just go kind of go out and Google uh, Twitter pitch events. And there's a calendar out there that'll tell you um, what time of the year, what date uh, of the year each pitch event occurs and whatever you write, you just look for your um, particular writing niche and there's probably a pitch date and a pitch event for it. For any of our listeners who might not be aware of the pitch events, would you all mind discussing the general format and how they work? So pitch events are essentially designed to just have you, like it says, pitch your manuscript on Twitter within that sort of 240 character count. So normally they're based around either a genre. So, you know, romance or horror or something like that, or they're based around, you know, diverse writers and getting those voices out there. But you get to craft that 240 character pitch describing your novel, giving us that really strong hook, and then maybe hashtags with the genre or the age group. And then editors and agents know those events are happening. So if you use the hashtag for that event, editors and agents throughout that, usually it's a 12-hour day, will jump into that hashtag and scroll through all of those pitches. And they have the opportunity to you know, like yours. And if they do, They've normally said, hey, if I like your tweet, send me the first chapter or send me the first three chapters or five chapters. And so it's an opportunity to hook them just on that tweet alone and then get some eyes on your work. And there's even a new one um, called Mood Pitch that started last year that I really loved. Um, It's a little bit different than some of the other ones that I've seen, but you still do your pitch as Haley just described it, but they like you to attach a picture that you think uh, kind of embodies what your maybe the tone or mood or setting of your story. Um, anything that will kind of tell the tale of what your book is, is going to be like or about. And I thought that was a neat and interesting new method to the pitch wars um, 
contest events. What did you think of that, Ailey? I know you saw that too. Yeah, I liked that one a lot. I think a lot of authors create mood boards just to sort of get themselves in the mindset of their work or their character or their themes. And so it was a fun way to share that with everybody. I would also say what is nice about things like pitch events is that they happen frequently and it's something that is really pretty easy to do while you're on, while you're querying. So you can have your project out there and this is just something you can be doing in the background in the meantime to really keep focusing and revising. It doesn't have to be something that comes first or anything like that. It's just another way to keep being a part of the writing community and keep trying to find that agent or that editor who's going to be the perfect fit. I'm of two minds about these. Sorry, I'm jumping in here. No problem. You know, it's so hard to encapsulate an entire novel in a tweet, and it doesn't always give an agent real insight into what the writer can do. And sometimes writers are so trying too hard to be cute or to grab an agent's attention that it really doesn't represent what the story's about. Mm -hmm. And so I find that even if I like it, I, I might not, it might not turn out to be what I thought it was, or I will like three in a row. And it's just that the author has changed their Uh, tweet to be something different, but it's the same story. And as an agent, I find that a little bit frustrating. So I don't think the process is perfect. And it's not necessarily the best way to get your material in front of me. I still think the traditional query process is a better Mm -hmm. way. But it's something that is available. And uh, it's another way to approach agents. That's just my two cents. I kind of agree with that in a sense, because I definitely have liked pitches before. And when I received the materials, they turned out to be not at all what I expected. And unfortunately was not a fit for me, but the tweet looked like it would be. So it can be kind of difficult to judge it based on those few characters that you're able to write into a tweet. But um, I mean, there, there are definitely other avenues as well. I think Haley, um, you're familiar with the author mentor match? Well, there are a couple pitch events that are more focused on getting sort of a mentor or some sort of revision feedback for you and not just trying to get your first few chapters to an agent right? that I think are really valuable. So it's less about hey, agent or editor, do you want to represent me? And more about, hey, writer or publishing professional, do you want to take a closer look and maybe give me some actionable feedback? So author mentor match is one of those. I think Rev Pit is another one. I know Pitch Wars was one when it was still available. So I think those are valuable too. I agree with that. Because again, that's an area where you can get feedback on your writing and look at areas where you can better hone your craft. Agreed. I think that those are probably a little more helpful for authors, um, but they are selective in who can participate. And so that is a weeding process right there, which in fact may be informative to authors about the quality of their writing or how far they have to go in honing their craft to get up to the level where they're willing to select an author to be paired with a mentor. 
So there are a few moments where those rejections might sting a little bit more. Maybe the first rejection of your very first query or your first requested material, your first rejection from a full manuscript. What advice do you have for authors in terms of emotionally dealing with those rejections and how to keep moving forward? I say take a day to be in your feels and the next day shake it off and then start looking at it objectively. Um, I would come back again to look at the rejections that you have received thus far, see if there are any common denominators because you were more likely to have received some personalized feedback from the agents that rejected you on say a partial or a full manuscript than you would on a query. Cause as Paige mentioned, most of the time the queries can often be form rejections, but those partials and completes are more likely to have actual feedback, even if it's minuscule and you can look at that feedback, look for common denominators. And if you see a lot of the agents are saying something similar or along the same lines, then you might want to look at, uh, this might be something I need to work on in my work. So if, you know, three or four out of 10 editors or agents, excuse me, said you do a little bit too much tell and not enough show, or the pacing was off, then you know that you might want to go in and take a, another look and correct that. So it's an opportunity. And that second day after you've shaken it off and you look at that, that's when you can start in and kind of look at it as an opportunity to just be better and work on those things that you need to work out and then get back in there. Don't let it break your spirit. Don't let it make you lose your enthusiasm for your writing. It just is an opportunity to better yourself. This that's great advice, Shannon. Um, and I do think many authors need to take a day to step away. And even as agents, when we get rejections for submissions we're making to editors, sometimes we get very frustrated with it because we're very passionate about a project. And when an editor passes, that can be frustrating to us as well. But I think taking a day away to process to say, is there any validity to this? Because again, this business is very subjective. So just because one person has an opinion that they didn't like something doesn't make it true or doesn't necessarily override all the positive things that someone may like. So bear that in mind as well, that this is a very subjective business and you may get 10 wrongs or 10 no's before you get one yes or one right. So bear that in mind. Well, um, and just to reiterate how subjective it can be, I can take a look at a story and reject it only to find out later that somebody else offered rep to that author for the same book. Right. And it, so, it's, yeah, it's finding the right home for it, but also authors should realize that part of this business is developing a thick skin, which is, can be challenging, but we're going to get rejections as both agents and writers. And there are going to be times when an author needs to dig in throw out maybe chunks of their material and reassemble it to make it better and stronger. And they may be, as we always say, you know, killing your darlings or uh, cutting favorite scenes or doing something to part of the manuscript that you adore. Uh, when that happens, I always advise authors, you know, pull that out, save it. Maybe you can rework it and 
a different project or use that as a jumping off point for another book. But what you're really trying to do is build a big, strong book for this particular project that you have in mind. And bear in mind that you're going to get feedback. Use it as constructive criticism. Realize that we're all working for the same goal of making the project better and stronger and move on from there. Agreed. I think you guys covered it really nicely. I think the only thing I would say is that there's really not a lot we can say on this podcast that is going to make receiving rejections feel easier. So hopefully there's some motivation to keep going forward and, you know, improving and all of those things, but it still stings. And so like Shannon was saying, and like Paige said, make sure you're taking care of yourself. Take a break if you need to. But remember that if this is your goal, if traditional publishing is really where you want to be, then if you don't keep querying and keep working and keep looking for that feedback, you aren't going to find that person who's going to fall in love with your book. All right. Yeah, I think that's all really helpful. Great advice. So thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks, Megan. Megan. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Pen to Print, Insider Tips with Creative Media Agency. To learn more about Creative Media Agency, our team, and our agenting mission, visit us at cmalit.com. Have a question we haven't covered in our conversations? Email us at assistant at cmalit.com and you may hear the answer featured on the show. And don't forget to take a look at our show notes for more information and resources. Until next time, we hope you feel inspired to take your story from pen all the way to print.